0: Um, we're finishing up the Overflow series today. We're finishing up the Overflow series today, and what I'm going to do t- today actually is, is uh, give you last week's Overflow sermon. Remember I called an audible, and I did this whole yeah. thing on Afghanistan and on Haiti last week. Yeah. So i got to summarize that message for you, and then I'm going to jump right into today's message to, to finish up the Overflow series. So let's just pray and ask God to, uh, to do something special here and to yeah. touch us by His Spirit. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit, that you'd give me grace, Lord, to declare the whole counsel of God, that you'd overcome any inability of mine and overcome any resistance in our hearing, God, that the word might settle into each heart, that it might bear fruit, some 30, 60, and 100-fold. We give you praise for it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen, amen, amen. First thing I want to say, what I was actually going to go after last week, is the Lord keeps talking to me about shame. Huh. And the word of the Lord to you is that his overflow is always aimed at your core place of shame. Huh. My God. Wow. Isaiah 61, 7, instead of shame, yeah. my people shall receive a double portion. It actually says instead of their shame or in place of their shame. Yeah. My people shall receive a double portion and inherit blessing in the land. If you want to know the specific place in which God intends to release overflow in your life, you must identify your core shame. Because wherever that place of shame is, that's the object of God's overflow. Did you hear that? Wherever your place of shame is, that's the object of God's overflow. And so you got to get faith for the reversal of your place of shame. You got to get some faith because what tends to happen is yeah. that your place of shame is the area in which you, you sense accusation coming at you. Yeah. You sense judgment coming at you. And you can even believe that that accusation and judgment is coming from the Lord. Wow. And it's not. Yeah. God never looks at your place of shame as a place from which to accuse you. Wow. He looks at your place of shame as the place at which he seeks to redeem you. Yeah. God's posture towards your shame is one of redemption, not of judgment. Even if your shame is an area of sin or disobedience, his desire is to reverse it. Even if your shame is something that you've done to your own self, even if it's your own fault, he still seeks to reverse it. And so we tend to look at our places of shame and say, well, if only I would have done this, then I wouldn't be in this situation. Your place of shame might be physical. Your place of shame might be intellectual. It might be academic. It might be vocational. It might be relational. You can look at any place in your life and say, this is where I messed up, and this is what happened to me. But God says the word of the Lord is instead of your shame, in place of your shame, I've got a double portion in store for you. Instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion. Shame is an opportunity for God to redeem and reverse the years that the locusts have eaten. And this is what it actually says here in in the book of, in in Joel. Um, What's the verse, baby? I I will, I'm sorry. Uh, Joel 2.24. Joel 2.25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, And then he says in verse 26, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, and that it ends by saying, never again will my people be ashamed. Even that promise there in Joel 2 that this whole series is based on, he says, this is the overflow that I'm sending. This is the abundance that I'm sending, and when I get done sending the overflow and the abundance, never again will my people be ashamed. That's God's desire for you. That's God's plan for you. That's God's heart toward you. He looks at every place of shame in your life and says, when I get done reversing that, never again will my, my child be ashamed. Never again will my child be ashamed. You know, I mean, especially with this whole pandemic, you can't even get sick without feeling ashamed. You know what I'm talking about? You just cough or sneeze. I ain't telling nobody about that. Dave Chappelle said, I used to cough to cover a fart. Now I fart to cover a cough. <laughs> (laughs) There's less shame there. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Ashamed to be broke. Ashamed because you dropped out of school. Ashamed because your health is in disarray. Uh Ashamed of your weight. Uh Ashamed of your relational status. Uh Wherever your place of shame is, God says, in that place... I've got a double portion in store for you. you got to get a hold of that and get some faith for that. Because your place of shame tends to be your place of hopelessness. Your place of shame tends to be the place of resignation. You believe God to break out in every place but your place of shame. But God says, no, no, no. Your place of shame is precisely the place where I intend to break out in your life. Amen. Now we're going to transition to today's sermon. You got that? That was last week's. Now, here's today's sermon. Remember, we're talking about Genesis um, 23, 26, where it speaks of Isaac. He sowed in the promised land, and it says, so the man prospered and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. And so the question we've been asking is, what prevents the people of God from prospering, continuing to prosper, and then becoming very prosperous? And so we talked about shame two weeks ago. And we finished talking about shame last week, a.k.a. just in the last five minutes. And now we're going to talk about the thing that hinders you when you begin to prosper. Because what you and I must understand is that we are positioned right now, both individually and corporately, right at the front door of the promised land. Hmm. God's prosperity is upon you the blessing of God is just about to break out. But when you walk through that door and enter into the promised land and you begin to prosper, what can hinder you from continuing to prosper? And in order to answer that question, we've got to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Hmm. Because that's what the book of Deuteronomy was about. The 40 years had come to an end. They were at the end of the 40th year. They were standing right at the door of the promised land, a people who had never prospered before. Well, you want to talk about shame? They were a nation with no homeland. Well, if you ask them, where are you from? I, we, there's no answer. We're a people, but there's no where we are from. Well, We've never had a home. Well, where are you from? Well, we were slaves in Egypt. That was the last place we were, well, we were at. Yeah. now, But I guess we're from the desert. The wilderness, we're just wanderers. You want to talk about shame? And God says, it's the end of the 40th year, and they come to the end of the 40th year. They're about to enter the promised land, and now Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, preaches this series of sermons. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is, a series of sermons that Moses preached that says, here's what's about to happen, and here's what to do in order to, to, to make sure God doesn't take this blessing away from you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. The scripture says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you. Mm. And now he's going to describe that land. A land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. <laughs> Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Yeah. Wells you did not dig. Yeah. And vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Yeah. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Look at your neighbor say, be careful. 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 Watch yourself. yourself. (laughs) You better be careful. That's the most dangerous moment. When you've entered into the promised land and God has given you cities that you didn't build, houses full of all kinds of good things that you did not provide, You start drinking from wells that you did not dig and eating grapes and olives from vines that you did not plant. And then you sit down and have a feast and eat and are satisfied. That's the most dangerous moment. Be careful. Be careful. The moment you get what you want, that's the dangerous moment. The moment you get what God promised you, that's the dangerous moment. The moment God reverses your shame, The moment God breaks through in your life, the moment the enemy is overthrown, the moment the prosperity of the Lord, the moment God repays you for the years that the locusts have eaten, be careful. That's the most dangerous moment. Why? What could happen in that moment? Let's go back to verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. You hear what Moses is saying? Let me tell you all what's about to happen. You're going to get in the place God promised you. You're going to get everything God promised you. And you're going to feel in that moment a temptation that you never felt before. A temptation to forget the Lord. What you're going to realize when you get there is that you had a very practical arrangement with God. That you called a relationship. And that practical arrangement was this. I seek you because I need you. But once you get what you need, you're going to realize that that was the that was the extent of your relationship with him, because now that you don't need him, you don't seek him. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, meaning you're going to forget what he did for you. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Verse 14, here's the sign that you forgot him. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. The sign that you forgot him is that something else begins to demand your obedience. Hmm. And something else begins to demand your pursuit. Verse 15, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you. And he will destroy you from the face of the land. And then he ends with verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. A lot to unpack there. I've seen it happen. That... You get a little money, and you never had money before. Or you get a little success, and you never had a little success before. And before getting that paycheck, before getting that success, before getting that money, you were at prayer meeting every week, beating the altar. You were the first one at church and the last one to leave. You woke up every morning at 6 a.m. and cried out to God in tongues with weeping and tears until you got paid. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, well, God is everywhere. Mm. (laughs) And suddenly you don't need the gathering. There is a certain level of entitlement that takes place that comes with success that you have to fight. Success comes with entitlement. We think that success and prosperity and blessing brings about the cessation of deep deep desire. It intensifies it. Because we tend to think, and I hear people say this all the time, man, when I break through and and when I get my money, when that money comes, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm going to be generous and then I'm going to tithe. You ain't doing nothing but lying. Because if you can't tithe on $100, you can't tithe on a $1 million you don't realize that it's harder to tithe on a million dollars than it is to tithe on a hundred dollars. It's harder to write a check for ten dollars than it is to write a check for a hundred thousand dollars. But what tends to happen is we get to a certain place and your success gets to a certain level and you start thinking that you are now exempt from certain things that all the little peons are not exempt from. Stuff doesn't apply to you anymore. What we don't realize is that all of us have a, you can't be successful without having to deal with a certain level of narcissism. If you have any leadership in you, if you have any drive in you, if you have any passion in you, there's a certain level of narcissism that we all have to deal with. I've got to deal with it every day. You can't be a leader without being honest about that. And what narcissism does is it tries to convince you that the entire world should revolve around you and your desires. And we see it running rampant in the world. You remember that song? Watch me whip. Watch me nay-nay. You remember that song? It just drove everybody crazy. Right? The the rapper's name was Silento. I used to listen to that song and say, I wish you would be Silento. Well, Silento just got charged with murder. Did you hear about that? No. And when they came to arrest him, he ran from the cops and he was driving like 150 miles an hour or something like that. And when they finally caught him, they said, why are you running from the police? And he says, because I'm not a regular person. I'm not a regular person. I'm a celebrity. And if you would just go open up your computer, your computer will tell you that. His response was, I should be able to do differently differently. Than other people do because I'm different. I'm famous. I'm su- in other words, there's this level of entitlement wow. that came with his fame and success, and it's not just him. I'm not just trying to point the finger at him. All of us have to deal with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of us got a little bit of silento in us. Oh, wow. How about R. Kelly? You following the trial? Where are you going, Bishop? Where are you going, preacher? One of the persons who gave testimony, one of the young ladies who gave testimony said that he groomed her when she was 16 years old, and he, she heard him in conversation with his friends saying, I'm a genius, and geniuses should be able to do whatever they want. And if a genius likes kids, then they should have the right to groom children. I'm not just pointing the finger at R. Kelly. I'm saying that we all got a little bit I'm not even going to say that, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, but, we, but that narcissism that I'm talking about, that sense of entitlement that I'm entitled to more, we don't realize that a natural consequence of blessing wow. is that the flesh can grab a hold of it wow. yeah. and turn it into entitlement. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we have less and less of a desire for the things of God. And more and more of a desire for the things of the world. And we suddenly feel entitled to more. And that is what the Bible calls greed. (laughs) Greed is the greatest hindrance to the continuation of supernatural blessing in our lives. Greed. Hmm. Greed is a never enough mentality. Hmm. Never enough. That's greed. I don't have enough. I need more. I don't have enough. I need more greed. As opposed to faith, which is an always enough mentality. Mm. I got enough. Everything God has given me, it's enough. I've always got enough. Whatever God's given me, it's enough. I will not accuse God of not giving me enough. That's faith. Faith says, I always got enough. Even in the natural, when you look at what you got, it's not enough. Faith says, I got enough. Greed says, I don't have enough. Even in the natural, when you look and it's more than enough, greed says, but I don't have enough. Greed says, I need more. Faith says, I got enough. Greed says, I need more. And what greed does is it causes you to begin to pursue the blessing and forsake the blesser. But what faith does is it causes you to pursue the blesser and enjoy the blessing. You see, greed is not the enjoyment of the blessing. That's not greed. The fact that you enjoy the blessing doesn't mean that you've got greed. And the fact that you desire a greater blessing doesn't mean that you've got greed. Greed is when you're pursuing the blessing as your number one pursuit. And you've forsaken the blesser. But faith is when I'm pursuing the blesser and his blessings. But the blesser first, the blessing second. And what faith does is it actually allows the blesser to determine the nature of the blessing. Uh Greed tries to dictate the blessing to the blesser. No, 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 Mr. Blesser. I need this kind of blessing. It's got to look like this. It's got to be in this time period. It's got to come in this form and to this degree or else you don't love me. (laughs) Now, watch what Moses says. Moses says, if you forget the Lord, he's going to drive you out of this land because he's a jealous God. That sounds pretty vindictive, right? I mean, that kinda, it kind of sounds like God's got some stuff he needs to work out. <laughs> you know, like, I know a good therapist, God, that you should see. <laughs> I think she could really help you deal with your jealousy issue. <laughs> what we don't realize is that when greed starts to overtake our hearts yeah. and God withdraws the blessing, yeah. that's called love. That's what any good parent does. Right? Isn't that what you would do? If you gave Makai a new phone, Mm -hmm. and suddenly he wasn't going to school anymore because he was just on that phone, and he wasn't cleaning his room anymore because he was on that phone, and he didn't have time to listen to nothing you said anymore because he was on that phone, and when you tried to talk to him, he said, talk to the hand because he was on that phone. You know what you would do? You would take that phone away. Because I gave you the blessing, but now you have forsaken the blesser. So I'm going to do what's necessary to restore you to the blesser. But once I restore you to the blesser, next priority is to restore to you the blessing. And maybe you will learn that you can't have the blessing without the blesser. But if you gave Micaiah a new phone and suddenly he didn't go to school anymore and he didn't clean his room anymore and he disrespected his parents, but you still let him keep, keep the phone, wow. that's no longer a blessing. That's called a curse. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If the blessing is robbing you of your intimacy with God, and God still lets you lets you keep the blessing? Wow. That, that means, that's called judgment. Wow, yes. Wow. Yep, yep. That's called judgment. You know what? We should not fear that God will take things away from us if our hearts, we should be asking him to. Yeah, yeah. Lord, if this ever yeah. Yeah. causes my heart to stray, please take it from me. Yeah. My Tesla, take that junk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, if this house ever causes my heart to stray, move me into an apartment. Send me back to mom and dad's place because I can't allow nothing to separate my heart from you. I will not fear that you will take because when listen, when God disciplines you, it means he's treating you like a, like his child. When he doesn't discipline you, that means he's written you off. I've seen it where where your heart starts to stray and then your business crashes. I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That was awesome how loving and merciful our God is. You say, well, that's pretty vindictive. It's vindictive if it's a form of punishment, but there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Discipline is corrective. Punishment is punitive. Discipline says this is the necessary action to bring you back into the blessing. Punishment says this is what you deserve. Rest assured, God isn't giving any of us what we deserve. Uh, And we better thank him that he don't give us what we deserve. Greed. Wow. Greed. Yeah. Greed. I don't have enough. Yeah. Wow. I need more. Wow. Some of us are broke and still greedy. Mercy. <laughs> God can't trust some of us with $10. Mercy. So the question is, what's the remedy for greed? Greed. How can I ensure that my heart doesn't stray when the blessing comes? Wow. Yeah. How, can, how can I be safe with the blessing? Yeah. When God brings me into a city that I didn't build, a house full of provisions that I didn't provide, when he causes me to eat from a vineyard that I didn't plant or drink from a well that I didn't dig, how can I ensure that I don't forget the Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the answer is very simple. Yeah. Thankfulness. Thankfulness is the cure for greed. Thankfulness kills greed. (laughs) Thankfulness and thankfulness now. We tend to see thankfulness as later. (laughs) When God blesses me with this, I'm going to be so thankful. You're not thankful now. Thankfulness is the cure for greed. I cannot be greedy about that for which I am thankful. Thankful. Thankfulness, number one, destroys any sense of entitlement. Because yeah. the moment I begin to give thanks for something, I recognize that I don't deserve it. Wow. Yeah. And the moment I begin to think God is not giving me something that I deserve, wow. I'm on shaky ground. Mercy, mercy. To think that I deserve anything from God except hell mm. wow. is fallacy. Wow. 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 Think, how could God say no to me? Who, who is me? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how could God say no to me? He said no to his son when he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Ooh, wow. But me? He's supposed to say yes to everything because I deserve it? Wow. I better be glad he's not giving me what I deserve. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. moment I begin to give thanks, yeah. thankfulness yeah. is a manifestation of my belief in the truth yeah. that everything I have is a gift and an undeserved gift so from a benevolent yes. God. Yes. Yes. Thankfulness. So good. That's it. Giving thanks. Yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up in a couple months. And the crazy thing is, the one thing that we almost never practice on Thanksgiving yes. is Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We practice gluttony. <laughs> we complain about crazy family members. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. talking about? laziness, <laughs> you know, we practice, we, we complain about the food sometimes. Yeah. And I went over there and he overcooked that turkey, man. That was, talking about he deep fried it. No, he, that thing was a burnt offering by the time he pulled it out of that deep fryer. He cooked that thing to the point of idolatry. And we come home and we, <laughs> you know, this complaining. The one thing we didn't practice was Thanksgiving. You need to practice Thanksgiving every day. Listen, the thankful heart can be trusted with the blessing. The thankful heart can be trusted with the blessing. All God is looking looking for is for thankful hearts that can be trusted with blessing. Thankful hearts. He's simply looking for thankful hearts that he can trust. Listen, God has more blessings to give than sons and daughters to give them to. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. All he's looking for is a thankful heart. Do you remember that video? you remember that YouTube video of that little boy in Mexico and his parents? They they looked like kind of a poor family. And the parents, they wrapped him a gift and they gave it to him for Christmas. He was 12 years old and he unwrapped the gift and it was a cutting board. A 12-year-old boy gets a cutting board for Christmas. And it looked like a used cutting board. And do you know what he said? He said, oh, thank you, Mommy and Daddy. Thank you so much. I'm going to cut a lot of meat on this cutting board. And he went over and he hugged mommy and he hugged daddy. He was thankful for a cutting board. But then they said, you're such a good son. We've got one more gift for you. And they handed it to him and he opened it up. And it was an iPhone. (laughs) And he lost his mind. (laughs) But he lost his mind because he was overwhelmed with thankfulness. Uh, yeah. He started weeping. He put the phone down and went over and embraced mommy and daddy and said again and again and again, thank you, thank you, thank you, gracias, gracias, mama, gracias, mama, papa, papa, gracias, 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 because he was thankful for the cutting board, he got the iPhone. Yeah. Some of y'all ain't getting the iPhone because you cussed mama and daddy out when they gave you the cutting board. <laughs> Sometimes God is testing your thankfulness by wrapping up a cutting board and saying, here you go. You scoffed at your cutting board blessing. That's why you're not getting the next level of blessing. But if you can be thankful right now before the blessing comes, before the money comes, before the door opens, before the opportunity comes, before you eat from vineyards that you didn't plant and drink from wells that you didn't dig, if you can be thankful right now. Your right now situation is qualifying you for tomorrow's blessings. God has blessings that you can't imagine. Your eyes haven't seen them. Your ears haven't heard them. Your heart hasn't conceived it. But you got to be thankful now. Thankfulness now. And obedience now. Obedience now, we tend to think that there's hindrances to our obedience, and the blessing will solve those hindrances. Wow, wow. Huh. When the blessing comes, then I'll be able to go to church, and I'll stop forsaking the gathering. Uh-huh. <laughs> when the blessing comes, then I'll be a tither. When the blessing comes, then I'll be a giver. When the blessing comes, then I'll be generous. When the blessing comes, when the blessing comes, when the blessing comes, I have more time, then I'll be able to pray. I have more time, then I'll be able to seek the face of God. When the blessing comes, no, obedience now. Obedience now. Thanksgiving now. Faith. Now. It qualifies you so that when that door opens... And you enter into that next level blessing yeah. that God has prepared for you. Because the thing is, God has stuff prepared for you that's beyond what you can imagine. Yeah. And because it's beyond what you can imagine, it sometimes it looks different than you imagined it to look. Yeah. 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 And that can shock you. Yeah. My father helped me understand that. Wow. He read that passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 where he said, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and beyond all that you could ever ask or imagine according to the power that's already at work in you. Yeah. And he said, for years I read that verse and I thought, God, you actually tend to do less than I ask and imagine, <laughs> even though you promise to do more. He said, for years I read that verse and I thought, yeah, that, that don't, that, I, Lord, I need revelation on that verse. Because huh. I asked for this and you gave me this. Wow. I asked for this blessing on my job, I got demoted. I asked for this house, I got this one. You always seem to do less than I could ask or imagine until he got a little later in life and all of a sudden, he got a revelation. He looked at his life and he said, Lord, I never asked you to make all of my children pastors. That's more than I could ever ask or imagine. I never asked for eight grandchildren. That's more than I could have asked or imagined. And he started to name all of these blessings that he never even thought of. And it went beyond what he could ask, beyond what he could imagine. God will always do exceedingly abundantly beyond. He's got a beyond blessing for you. But the practice of daily thanksgiving prepares your heart to identify it. Because many of us can identify our shame. When I started by saying you've got to identify the place of your shame, many of you were like, I can tell you exactly what it is right now. But now you've got to identify the blessing. Thankfulness begins by identifying the blessing. Somebody come to the keyboard, and I'm going to end with this. The scripture says, In all things give thanks. It does not say, For all things give thanks. This is an important distinction. Because whenever we hear teachings on Thanksgiving, we start thinking, "Well, I got to thank God for the bad stuff." Like Rick, I got to thank God for that whole battle with cancer. No, you don't. You don't thank God for it. You thank God in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If your child is sick, you don't thank God that your child is sick. You thank God that He is with you in the midst of your child being sick. Which means you don't have to get a positive perspective on negative things. It's okay to look at the bad stuff in your life and say, this is bad. But I can give thanks in it. In it. it. Despite the pain, despite the struggle, despite the suffering, God's still with me. Here are the things that I can give thanks for in the midst of the stuff that sucks. I can stop and say, despite all this stuff. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But they're new every morning. morning. And that discipline, that skill, that art of giving thanks to God in all things, it brings you into a state of perpetual trustworthiness before the Lord. When I became a parent, my wife and I both realized that we have a deep and intense desire to bless our child. Yeah. But all we're looking at is her maturity level. Yeah. How much can she handle? Yeah. Certain blessings would destroy her. Yeah. Yeah. At 12 years old, I can't give her a car. Yeah. Why? Because I'm withholding? No, because that blessing will destroy her at this age. Yeah, 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 yeah. One day she'll be ready for that blessing. Yeah. Yeah. The blessing is ready, but you got to be ready wow. yeah. to receive the blessing. And God is always making you ready for next level blessing. He's making you ready for next. He's preparing the blessing for you and he's preparing you for the blessing. But before he sends the blessing, he always sends the admonition. Be careful. Be careful. Some of you are right at the door of blessings that are going to blow you away. Briante, you're right at the door, bro. Right at the door. Right at the door. You, you've only seen the door crack. It's going to fling wide open. Wow. That's why you got to be careful. Yeah. That's why you got to be careful. Because Satan has stuff on the other side of that door that's designed to entice you. Yeah. Draw you this way and that way. Pull you this way and that way. Destroy your future. Be careful. But the beautiful thing is is that if your heart is careful, careful to continue to give God thanks, yeah. you're safe. Yeah. Amen. Thank that there's nothing know. on the other side of that door that can topple you. Wow. Nothing on the other side of that door that can destroy your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing on the other yeah. side of that door that can destroy your faithfulness to God. Yeah. If you're yeah. careful. Yeah. That's it. And you continue to be careful. That's Thank you. Amen. You're so ready, peace. You're so ready. And that's the beautiful thing for you, peace, is that you never stop being thankful. Through it all, no matter what came or went, no matter what the devil threw at you, that's why God can trust you. That's why God can trust you. Your Redeemer lives. He's gonna restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He's gonna give you double for your trouble. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. God's got it prepared. The time has already been set by him. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. You're ready. You're ready. Hmm. Just bow your heads before the Lord right now. And just talk to him. Lord, make me ready. Remove whatever hinders my thanksgiving. Remove it. It doesn't mean remove my suffering. It doesn't mean remove... It doesn't even remove all of my complaining. There's some stuff in your life that you have the right to complain about. When it hurts, it's okay to say it hurts. Yeah. When you're frustrated, it's okay to be frustrated. Yeah. When you're confused, it's okay to run to God and say, I'm confused about this. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean you've got to stop lamenting. It doesn't mean you have to stop crying. It doesn't mean you have to stop hurting. Just thank more. Yeah. Yeah. Just let your thanksgiving exceed your complaint that if I spend five minutes complaining to the Lord, I'm going to spend 10 minutes thanking him. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word because it's from everlasting to everlasting. And I thank you that this word is settling upon every heart and sinking deep into every soul. Because what you desire more than anything else is to bless your sons and daughters, to communicate your love and presence to them to prosper us and not to harm us, yeah. to give us a future and a hope. Yes. But Lord, you will not bless us with that for which you will later have to judge us. When you see that our hearts are not prepared for the blessing, you withhold the blessing because of your grace. And when you see that the blessing has caused our heart to stray, you withdraw the blessing because of your grace, okay. because of your mercy. Yeah because of your love, but God, I pray that we would return to you, that there would be a daily returning to the Lord with all of our hearts, returning to the Lord, come let us return to the Lord, for he has broken us, but he will heal us, for he has torn us, but he will bind up our wounds, Mm. give us that heart coming back like the one leper who came back to give you thanks. Give us the heart of the one. Amen. That every day we would return to give you thanks. Amen. Yes. That every day we would return to give you thanks. I speak your blessing over each and every life, each and every heart. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment.